Hello, Scaling Up Nation. Trace Blackmore here, your host for Scaling Up H2O, the podcast where we're scaling up on knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. Folks, so excited to be here today. I have someone coming into the studio. I don't know if you guys know this, but most of my interviews are done remotely, so I don't get to see the face of the person that I am interviewing all the time but today I am. So today I am interviewing a good friend of mine, Brian Waymeyer of Innovative Water Consultants. And I got to tell you, Brian and I were not great friends when we first started. He's going to tell you that story a little bit later, but uh, we entered into our relationship as I was his consultant. So his partner asked me to come to his company and look at at not really some issues they were having, but they really wanted to find issues that they didn't know that they had. Kudos for that. And they also wanted to know what they could do better. So Brian's going to tell you the story when we first met, but after we met, I played one of my favorite games, and we're going to talk about this as well, but it is my favorite game to do. It's called Let's See If I Can Steal Your Business. And of course, that is not me going out and really stealing your business, but what I do is I go in as myself, there's no role or anything involved, I'm just playing myself, and I am looking for things that I would look for in a survey if I were working with a new prospect, with uh, a new client, to see what I would do differently. And I have baseline things that I look for with any water treatment program, and I just look to see if those are there. And if they're not there, I make note of that. If they are there, I make note of that too. And I say, hey, they're doing a really good job in these areas, but these are some that you may want to pay attention to. So I did that with them. And I believe that that was the moment in time that Brian said, you know what, I think this guy that my partner brought here to this account without my blessing, actually, I think I had his blessing, but I didn't have his friendship at the time. I definitely didn't have his trust. That was the moment in time where he saw value in what we were doing. So let me ask this question. Have you ever used a consultant? And that's what I was. I was a consultant in that relationship. And it was just to find out what could those guys be doing that they could be doing better. And I got to tell you, they run a fantastic organization. And for somebody to be vulnerable enough and say, hey, I want you to come on and I want you to look at my most valuable account and make sure that if somebody like yourself comes in here, is there anything that we could do better? And we found some items like that and they immediately put those into place. So that customer, without a doubt, is getting so much better water treatment because those guys cared enough to make themselves better. So what should a consultant do for you? Well, if you look up what a consultant is, the dictionary defines it as someone who provides expert advice professionally. Well, what the heck does that mean? And I know we've all heard those that can't do, what do they do? Yes, of course, they consult. And folks, I say that tongue in cheek. I know some exceptional consultants out there. Many of them are mentors of mine that you have heard on this show. So what exactly should a consultant do? So yes, the consultant should give you advice, but it should be advice that you can immediately do something with. So for example, when I was working with Brian, if I just told him something, but I didn't give him any handles to use it, 
I don't think I would be a very good consultant. So that's what we did. We talked about things that we found. We talked about things that we could do better. And then we talked about why those things were the way that they were. And a lot of those was maybe it was how they serviced the account. Maybe it was how they had access to the account. So in all the conditions that they had, all the parameters that they had to do their job in, if we didn't look at that and we maybe didn't change those a little, we were always going to be getting the same result. Now, I'm not speaking specifically from this experience. I'm speaking from all experiences where if a customer doesn't give us access to things that we need and we can't see these things, it's difficult for us to treat them. So you might have to go out of your way. You might have to make sure a customer's on site or you have access to a particular area so you can see all of the key components of the system to make sure that you are treating it right. And then hopefully you can record some sort of data while you're there so each and every service visit you can determine if those metrics are in range or if there's an issue. And hopefully those metrics will help you discover if there's an issue before there's a real huge issue. You should have metrics on everything that you do. That's something else a consultant might be able to help you with. If you're just running tests and you're not doing anything with the test that you're running out of your test kit, you guys are really missing the boat. You are the water treatment professional and all of the tools that you have, whether you're reading instrument logs, whether you're taking tests out of your test kit, you're looking at logs that your customer might be running with tests that they're running, it's your job to put all of that stuff together and then make sure that when you leave, that location is better than you found it. That customer knows more about what you did when you left than when you showed up. And you're getting information from that customer about what happened in between the last time you saw them to the time that you are right now. And you're putting all that together and that's why you are a professional water treater. And if you want to try to get better, perhaps using a consultant might be something that you can try. But again, a consultant is more than what the dictionary says. Provide expert advice professionally. It's making sure that that expert advice is provided with action items so you can actually do something. So again, you are going to hear about the experience that I had with Brian Waymeyer. I know you're going to enjoy this interview, so let's go ahead and get started. My lab partner today is Brian Waymeyer of Innovative Water Consultants. Brian, you are in the Scaling Up Studios. Thank you so much for coming. So good to see you, buddy. How are you? Good to see you, Trace. Absolutely wonderful. It's nice to see the studio. So much to talk about today. We've got a gamut of topics. I'm trying to figure out where we're going to start. So does it make sense to talk about your business first, how we met, where you want to go with that? Sure. Um, As you said, I'm the CEO and founder of Innovative Water Consulting. Uh, We do have another company called Legionella Management Plan Solutions, which is um, a DBA that we work with. It's we do all that stuff on the Legionella side. And I know it's a long name. I get so much crud about it. Excuse my language. Uh, it's, you know, search engine, search engine optimization and my marketing manager. That's how we came up with the name of the company. So for all of you out there, it does work, just so you know. Little tag words in your, in your title of your company. So, yeah, that's that. It, how I met you, Trace, is through uh, my business partner at the time, great guy, Ry Thompson. Uh, he brought me in because he met you at the AWT training. Uh, he was brought on to help me. Uh, start this new business and he met Trace and we needed some help with some consulting. So Trace got called in and uh, I think like I said, Trace, we were talking before the start, I was a little skeptical at first because come on, you know, I I know everything. Little did I know I did not know everything and uh, Trace was, you, I guess, guess, was a pretty awesome partner in helping us get our new business started and moving forward with that. Well, I want to paint the picture for the Scaling Up Nation of of how our first interaction actually Uh went. So you guys picked me up from the airport and they had lost my test kit in in the luggage. So I had to deal with that. So I think I was about a half an hour late to actually coming out where you guys picked me up. 
And then we went to Cracker Barrel, of yeah, course, the yeah. happiest place on the planet. <laughs> and uh, I'm glad I was not your eggs because you were stabbing your <laughs> eggs in an angrily fashion. And uh, Rye was definitely all on board about me coming on and you not so much. You know, sometimes you have to eat crow, I guess, is the easiest way to say it. Um, yeah, Trace, you know, I was in the water treatment world for 14 years before that. You know, I thought I knew it all. You're absolutely right. And, you know, I'm a, I was how old at the time? 30, 35, 36 years old at the time trying to, you know, start this new business, go out on my own. I knew everything. The whole clients, well, little than I know, is Trace's fa famous tagline. I think if I get it right, you you don't know what you don't know. Is that exactly? That's pretty that, close. That's yeah. pretty close. All and right. I stole that from somebody, by the way. Oh, okay. Fair enough. But uh, skeptical is the word. Um, I thought I knew it all. And lo and behold, I really didn't and have really grown as a business owner and a CEO from that experience. Well, I appreciate that, and uh, we've got a great friendship yes. from that experience, yes. and, and I enjoy talking to you on a regular basis. And I'm trying to remember, after the Cracker Barrel experience, uh, we, we went to one of your accounts, and I yeah. think I played my favorite game, Let Me Try to Steal Your Business from You, of course. And you did. <laughs> <laughs> you absolutely did. And since then, you should see how we have changed how we operate. Um, from cleanliness, from, you know, you want to walk in. And this is one of Trace's things. He says, I, I want to walk in and see something that has your name on it. It's proudly serviced by your company. And it looks good. You know, the pumps are primed. The, um, you know, the, the chemicals not all over the floor. You have a containment unit. You have... What, what did you call those things that keep the... Um, now you're giving away trade secrets. Well, those are those are wands. And wands, yeah, yes. Yeah. I'll, I'll shut up now. No, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> so Scaling Up Nation, what we do, uh, if you're dealing with product, uh, especially neat product out of a five-gallon drum or a 15-gallon drum, mm -hmm. and you've got to move those flexible pickup lines yeah. that are off the pump, mm -hmm. well, we'll put those inside a piece of PVC uh, with a coupling on the bottom of them, and that allows us to not get our hands dirty and also keep that foot valve in the perfect up and down position so that way we can minimize non-priming situations. Is that how you say losing Yeah, non-priming and talk about a genius move. And I think that Trace's patent number on that is, yeah, right. it is, uh, I don't know, something starts with the T and has a long number on it, but I think he has that patent if you guys um, want to give him a few dollars when you um, learn how to do that. But, you know, yes, the consulting side, and he could have taken my business that day. Um, Price-wise, we've always been very competitive, and we've always done a very good job for our clients, but we just learned a ton that day, and it was well worth the money. But we actually called Trace in to give us an overview of our business and how we can do things better. So, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, you and I still work together. We do. I'm a pilot also, but we can talk about that a little bit later, but I owe Trace a flight too. Yes, you're supposed to make me a pilot, yes. if I recall. So the Scaling Up Nation now knows this. So this is this is a this is a, a viable contract that we yeah, have. Yeah, okay, right? deal. Awesome, awesome. So you mentioned the CWT, and CWT is a topic that comes up on the show so often. I know you've been in water treatment for a while. You're now preparing to take that examination. What are some of the things that you're doing to prepare? Well, I try to stay awake when I do it, but... Um, <laughs> Water treatment textbooks are yeah. not the best uh, entertainment out there. You know, the probably the most read thing that I actually, I, what I take is, is a section of the AWT um, technical reference manual, and I read it. Uh, and I know it's difficult, and it's a lot of higher math. I mean, it's taking me back to my college and engineering days, but um, a lot of higher math, and it's that's kind of difficult, but I also read a ton of, you know, the, like the analyst from AWT has a lot of good information in it. And I've also been getting the emails recently about the AWT forum. Yes. That's been pretty good. Uh, learned a lot of stuff, you know, about boilers and aluminum boilers and ways that that's good, good information. You know, I have a bunch of old Nalco training manuals right. and there's some GE training manuals. I'll say the um, monitoring technology has changed. There has been some technology changes in polymers and some different stuff like, but for the most part, Water's water. You treat it kind of the same way, Trace. You got it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think a good foundation, and I did receive a phenomenal foundation from my previous boss. Great man. Uh, he was awesome and, you know, kind of pioneering the um, 
how is it the, the the concentrated chemicals you know you know the five gallon drums so we were huge into class a office space and we didn't need to carry the 15 gallon drums you know it was the five gallon drums our five gallon pails up to the top of these penthouses it just made life a little easier so he was kind of a pioneer in that and he was also kind of a pioneer in the contract rate you know and he was he worked for the nalco and the ge's of the world so they you know they like to sell the chemical we like to sell the contract and then it's all up to us to not you know dump a bunch of chemical down the drain because Absolutely. then it's on us so Absolutely. i think that actually made us better water treaters because you know if we dumped all of our chemical down the drain you know then we did something wrong or we put too much in the in the building it made us better water treaters as in we paid more attention because we're not trying to sell you the chemical we're trying to sell you a service yeah, I think it does change your mindset. Yeah, and I think a lot of people do it that way. Some of the smaller, most of the smaller water treaters today. Now you worked for somebody uh -huh. as a water treater. I did, and now you own your own water treatment business. Why the transition? I think it was just time. Uh, like I said, the man I worked for was a great man. He taught me. I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't have the opportunities that I he has given me. It was just time. Uh, you know, sometimes you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I guess is the word. And I had a lot of ideas that I wanted to wanted to go out and use and to build and to try out and so on and so forth. And it was just kind of hard to get him to come on board with that. But he was time for. I think he was getting ready to retire. This that type of stuff. Just the right time. It was the right time. It was right time to move on and you know had the money and took the leap. There you go. And now you've been in business for five years? A little now? over, little over, almost three now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's been phenomenal. We have grown, I think this year, uh, over 500%. That's amazing. So a lot of it's on the Legionella side of the business, but uh, we're in 36 days. I think I told you that earlier. That's so amazing. Yeah. And we did all that through technology. We made it just easy. So, Brian, let me ask, after being in business for over three years, after learning all the things you didn't know that you now know, which, of course, uncovers a whole plethora of items that you still don't know, that we all don't know, don't that know, you're continuing yes. to find to endeavor to, yeah. to know, would you do it again? In a heartbeat. Um, and I think, Trace, you can, you can say this to anybody out there that is an owner, CEO, or COO of one of these businesses and understands that it never stops. If you can take that risk and understanding, you have to, I think it's another thing, you know, I did tell my wife when we're going to do this, I said, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be a tough couple of years to get everything up and running. And it was, it was a lot of work, a lot of travel. If you can put those, that time in and you believe in yourself, you can do this. Um, water treatment and Trace, you and I are big believers in this. Sometimes it's a race to the bottom. And, and you told me when we, when we met, it's like, you know, I, we don't want to race to the bottom. We want to provide a really good product to our customers. And I'll tell you in the, how we've grown is we provide a really good product at a reasonable price. It's usually not the lowest, but it's at a reasonable price. And we have a lot of good recommendations behind us. Uh, that's how word of mouth, the Legionella side is a little bit different. That's, you know, a lot of internet traffic. And of course, you know, with the mandate that came out from CMS, that's brought us a ton of business. But the water treatment side, it's, it really is. How well do you keep your word? Yeah. Can you do what you say you're going to do? And can you back it up? And the best business to go out and get is the referral business. And yeah. you are just slamming that. You're doing a great <laughs> job with it. Yeah. It, like I said, you know, and, and the, the really awesome part about both of these businesses, the Legionella side, you know, if someone calls me for a Legionella water management plan or remediation or consulting or testing, I mean, we're an A to Z company when it comes to Legionella. You know, we do it all. Um, usually leads into the water treatment side of it because you know how many times I've walked in to do a you know a consult on a on a building and you walk up to the cooling tower and the drums are completely empty and they have a legionnaire's confirmed case or death in their in their building they're like well why well you know this is why well what do we do about that I said you know, you can call my operations manager and he can help you out with that. But the, they're really intertwined companies. Uh, they're separate, but they're intertwined. Usually one usually always leads to another. Yeah, and I think that's true. That's why the uh, insurance agencies want your auto, your home, yes, everything they could possibly exactly. insure. Yeah. I don't remember the actual article I read, what magazine it was for, but it said things like insurance and cable companies. If they can get one piece of your business, they might have you for X number of years. If they got two pieces, it was two times X. If they got three pieces, you were a customer for life. 
So when, when, you can, when you can do everything within that customer, and of course I'm speaking on the water treatment scope now, not getting outside of our scope, that really does help you help the customer and keep other people out of your business. I can't tell you how much business I picked up because we got called in to look at somebody's glycol loop yep. and there's a cooling tower loop right, right out there. there. Yeah. That, that's happened to me many, many times too. And I'm not a real hard salesman. You're probably the same way that I am. You know, I walk in and I just say, hey, this is, this is what I see. You can take it or leave it. And um, you've called me for a reason and just telling them, what what the problems are because usually we get called in when there are problems let's face it you know all the water treaters out there if it's a referral business either one someone's very expensive or two it's because there's a problem and that's what we get called in to fix and by the way we're labeled we do sell in the same way and i remember out of one of my sales uh textbooks we are called indifferent selling Take it or leave it. I mean, I'm just going to give you the facts. Yes. So that's, that's, that's called that's indifference. A, so you're a, labeled now. That's a good one. Um, I do like it that, you know, the Legionella side of it, they're required to have it now, at least, you know, the, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Everything, everybody knows about the mandate. I don't know. Let's not assume that everybody in the nation knows about that. Let's talk about it. Oh, wow. I could probably recite it for you. Uh, came out June of, la- of 2017. It's been revised one Two times from now, and the most current one uh, came out, um, SNC letter 17-03, I think is the exact ones. But it's changed. I don't remember the new one. But it came out of um, July of this year again and has been revised. It's a little bit less restrictive on the testing side of it, but it still requires that a critical access hospital, a um, skilled nursing facility, or a hospital has to have a water management plan in place to reduce the risk of Legionella, Legionellosis, or other opportunistic pathogens in their building. Surveyors, state surveyors, depending on who you get, are looking for that water management plan. Uh, I highly suggest if anybody is going out and doing it, make sure it's compliant with ASHRAE 188 and the CDC toolkit. And just so everybody knows, the CDC toolkit was based off of ASHRAE 188. That is the U.S. standard. It was revised in 2018. It's now ASHRAE 188-2018. I think they're going to redo it again. It's coming up for another rewrite. And also there is a guideline 12 of ASHRAE, uh, 188 or ASHRAE guideline 12 that is due for uh, public review should hopefully be out first quarter, which is a great piece of um, information or literature for water management plans. Now, if I recall the Medicare document, it says if you don't do these things, we may not reimburse you for any of your That is absolutely correct. The The exact tag is an F880, if I remember actually the tag. It's an infectious disease tag, so it falls under that. Um, I've had many, many people call me to clean up that mess. Say, hey, we need a water management plan. What do we do? Uh, we come in, we take care of it, and we also have another way to do it and you know, we can talk about that later if we want, but it's very, very helpful. And we can usually get a water management plan done very, very fast, uh, usually same day. Yeah, I've seen some of the stuff that you're doing, and it is fantastic. You guys are doing just knocking it out of the park. Thanks, Trace. I am curious, though, and I know the Scale Up Nation is curious, mm-hmm. whether it's on the Legionella side, whether it's the, the water treatment side, how are you finding new business? You know, uh, we have a really fiery four foot eleven uh, Italian marketing manager. Her name's Jolinda, and I think she just scares people into coming and signing up with us. The path of least resistance is to just <laughs> sign the contract and do business with you. No, um, you know, we've partnered with some very large companies uh, on how we how we've done it. Uh, you know, they need they had a need for you know Class A office space or for hospital chains or skilled nursing facility chains uh, chains. Um, that's one way we have gone to conferences, a lot of them, healthcare conferences uh, all over the country. We have been to um, search engine optimization, uh, you know, Facebook, LinkedIn, everything. So uh, let's talk a little bit about that. So we've got people that own water treatment companies. We've got people that are working for water mm-hmm. treatment companies, but are kind of running their own territory within yeah. that. Mm-hmm. So they want to get involved in Facebook or LinkedIn. What are some tips you could give them? I wish I could give you that. And then you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pimp Joe Linda on this one. I'm going to have her be on Scaling Up H2O for one of these days. How's about that, Absolutely. Trace? So we'll, we'll ask some social media questions. Social media questions. She is phenomenal at it. Uh, she has set up all of our SEO, all of our um, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, uh, all that. She takes care of all of it. She posts every single day. She's really, really awesome at it. She takes care of our blog. She takes care of our um, 
landings page. She, we have videos. She does all that. And it's phenomenal how, how awesome she is. So maybe one day we'll get Jolene on that. I wish I could give you all that information, Trace. I am not. That's why I hired her. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, yes. you, you realize that I don't do this. I, I want to hire that. somebody yes. that does it. And now you're able to do what you I do. wish I could, uh, but she's just, she's awesome. She ran a clothing company before and just, it was kind of hard to get her to learn Legionella. I'm just, just kidding. She's a phenomenally smart lady, but we, te- we taught her the Legionella world and she really targets the audiences that fall into us. And remember what I said, Legionella leads to water treatment, water treatment leads to Legionella. So it's kind of works, sure. works together. Yeah. And even when I talk to people at AWT trainings, AWT conferences, I'm still amazed at the number of water treaters out there that still don't get that we need to educate not only ourselves, but our customers about Legionella. People yeah. still have this wait and see mentality and I don't get it. You know, um, we run into it daily. Uh, you know, for quotes we send out to clients and so on and so forth, I'll talk a little bit about my business. And I'm a very big proponent of knowing your audience, okay? Know who you're going to sell to. If you go in and offer somebody a product that you know they can't afford, they're not going to buy that product. So I've structured our business in a way that we did stuff through technology to, to decrease the price, but still provide a very, very, very good product, a very thorough product, a very compliant product, and a product that very few people have. There's a couple secrets I don't want to tell you about. but And I'm not going to ask you okay, about Okay. There's some secrets I don't want to tell you about that's kind of our bread and butter. Uh, that is really put us well above everybody else when it comes to the Legionella side of the business and, and how we've approached it. Well, how about we, we leave it with this? Okay. You found things that other people weren't doing Correct. and issues that people were having because of that. And yeah. you solved, you filled that gap. Yeah. And uh, we'll segue for a second. Uh, in any business, to be successful, you can read books, and I think that's great. You need to read. You need to educate yourself on a daily basis. But you find someone's pain point. You find the need, is how I always have put it. You find the need, and you fill that gap at the best possible way you can and at the best possible price. If you can do that, you will always be successful. Great words. And there's all kinds, and it's scaling up needs to know. There are all kinds of opportunities out there. So many opportunities in water. So if you want to branch out, just think a little bit, go outside the box. Water treatment's great, but it could be a stepping stone for something even bigger, which is what we figured out. Well, I would not be doing justice to the Scaling Up Nation if we didn't talk a little bit about sales because you are masterful when it comes. (laughs) And again, sales is something where you're helping them solve an issue. It's not something where I'm manipulating somebody to do something they don't want to do. Correct. Yep. So I'm in front of a client or or let's let's even back up. Mm -hmm. So I'm now driving around. I've got some extra time because I just serviced my last account and it's early in the day. I can pick up more business. I could use more business. What do I do? You know, my previous job, it was really good. There's two there's two ways you can do it. Um, Water treatment. You remember, I call it cooling tower trolling. You know what I'm talking about? I know exactly what you're talking so, about. Oh, there's a cooling tower. And you and we've all been there where we walk into a building. So, you know what? I'm going to stop there, you know? And that's actually what I did when in my previous job. You know, you stop into that building and you're going to get the gatekeeper or you're going to walk into that building and they're going to look at you and say no, 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 no. But what I I did is I kept the yellow pad of paper just like you look right there and I write that building down, okay? They do have things nowadays, you know, um Salesforce and a couple of those companies have, you know, you know, tracking for all that stuff. Those are expensive. Uh, They work on a larger scale. They work really well. But what I would do is just go in there and give them my cart. They didn't work real well, Trace. Okay. I always called them back. And you know, just as well as I do, if I'm walking into a Blackmore Enterprises building, I know I'm not going to get that account. Okay. But one thing I always did learn is who had that account. And it took me a little while sometimes, one or two calls. And then you can figure out how to sell better once you know your competition. Remember, always know who you're selling to. Once you find that, it's a little bit simpler. I never start out with price. Never. Even though that's what your customer is forcing Even you that's to what your with. customer want is that, but I never start out with price. I said, hey, let's compare apples to apples. Are you getting exactly what you're paying for? That always helps. But how I, another reason how I've been really successful is you find conglomerates or you find a group of buildings, okay? And then you pitch that to them. Say, hey, 
can I get a meeting? And it's going to take a little while. Don't just be discouraged. I'm going to tell you, this is not for the faint of heart business, okay? This takes some gusto. This takes some follow-up. This takes you to go out every day and beat down the doors. But if you can find a group of buildings, you know, for instance, if you have a Class A office space company, okay, they might have 20 buildings. And, you know, it's much easier to sell a really good product across 20 buildings, okay, because now we have standardization. They love that. They love billing one company. They love not having to call six different people. It works really well. I'm a goal-oriented person, but I'm also a dreamer. I guess it's the easiest way to think about it. It's like, I can do this. You know, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to see if I can sell that account. And I'd write that on top of my list and say, that's the one I want this year. And then I'd go to the next one and then the next one and the next one. But it's worked very well for me. I know, yeah, you, we did mention I'm a pilot, but I'm a very SOP, standard operating procedure type person. And you would be amazed how the type of people that you and I work with are very logical and methodical, okay? They like that standardization piece. So everybody out there, all you sales guys, all you water treaters, it helps. The one-offs are great, but if you can get you know, into a larger client and sell them on that, by the way, remember what I said at the very beginning, do what you say you're going to do though. Make sure you can onboard them, make sure you can get it done and get it done the way that they want it done. And don't give them headaches. Now you say don't give them headaches. I'm sure you've got some examples. So oh, yes. when you say that, what are you speaking of? So remember I said that word onboarding? If you if you sell a 20 building contract, okay, and in that 20 building contract you sell um, remote remote controllers that can monitor everything because that was one of your pitches. It says, hey, we can take care of your problems remotely and fix something overnight. And we're going to know before you know, because we've all used that line, haven't we? Absolutely. Absolutely. But if we sell that to them, make sure you follow through on it. So, and if you sell part of it, say, hey, you know, we'll install them for you. Say you have a really good installer and you just have to swap out the old one, put the new one on. Make sure you have a realistic timeline. And this is what I say about headaches. If you say you're going to do it in a week, you know what? You better do it in a week. Yeah. And if you're doing 20 buildings, you're probably, probably not, not going to get it done a week. a week. But that's what I'm trying to say. Be realistic with your expectations and don't give them that headache. Because, and, you know, schedule things. People don't like surprises. Right. So if you just show up at their door one day and say, hey, we're here to do your new controller, that inconveniences people. Have a good scheduling software, a good scheduling system. That's what I mean by don't give them headaches and think ahead. If you can do that, and if the onboarding is you have 30 days, make sure you start this 30 days before that onboarding starts and just be ahead of the game and you'll always come out on the other end looking like a rose or smelling like a rose, smelling like a rose. Uh, that's great advice. And I tell you, I think where people get caught up is they're so happy and excited that they got the business, sale. Yeah. They just want to go as quickly as they possibly can. But if you can pause and take a second and think about what are all the things that are going to create an issue. And you mentioned remote uh, monitoring on, on controllers. Well, I can't tell you how many times when the customer thought it was a great idea, we thought it was a great idea, but then when we actually started talking to the IT people, there oh, was yeah. no way we were going to get, get into their internet. So, uh, you know, now when we do that, we just look at the cellular because we know we don't have that headache. Correct. And then, you know, and this is another thing. I don't know what you guys do with the cellular. I, I put it into my price because it just makes my life easier. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, bu I build it into the price. They never see it. And then, you know, if you have a price increase, then you, you, you build that in for the following year or whatever you need to do. But they don't like ancillary costs either. They want a one number budget. Now, we all know that stuff pops up, controller busts or a pump bust. They're okay with that. But if you come back to them and say, hey, I underbid this, that's the quickest way to get thrown out. Yeah, it's bait and switch, yeah, right? Yeah, it is. And it does not work. Uh, people get really irritated with that. I don't do that, but I've got a lot of business from people who have. So I've, you know, I do a lot of government work and when you bid government work, you know, it's the lowest, it's the low ball, but I've gotten called back to schools who've thrown me out and brought me back because it was a bait and switch. Gotcha. So I'm curious, and I know you have stories around this, what, and not, don't mention any names, but what is one of the most bonehead things that you've seen that you've been able to take over business because of? Yeah. I took over a large uh, closed loop contract 
And closed loops are great contracts if, one, they're treated well, and you know you just have to go in once a quarter and check it. We usually do quarterly if it's a very good loop. Um, usually you're gonna find something that's wrong with it on a quarterly basis, unless it's a disaster, and we all have seen those disasters. I walked into one once and um, it was at a and it was at a college campus and we had picked up a bunch of closed loops, walked into it and there was a guy there and he was testing a boiler. And it was me and him and they brought us both in to bid on this. So he already had the account and I came in and Trace taught me this one. You listen, you don't say anything unless someone says something to you. They brought me in because it wasn't working and they brought him in because they wanted to see what he had to say. Well, I came in, introduced myself, you know, we're water treaters, you know, it, it is competition. I, I didn't like that situation, but it is what it was. And, and it, so shook the man's hand. It's nice to meet you. You know, let's just see what we have to say. I and mean, the customer called me in. I'm, I'm sorry. This is a little bit awkward, but let's see how this goes. Customer asks, well, my, my boiler's two years old and I've had to replace the entire thing. Just it just rusted out, and he goes immediately defensive, immediately defensive. The the customer or the 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 other person that we were going against, I guess, is the easiest way to put it. Immediately defensive. I didn't say a word. Just sit there and listened. And at the end of it, he says, "Well, I've been I've been pouring this in there for the you know for for an entire two years." I said, "Well, what are you pouring in?" I said, "Are you using sodium nitrite?" You know, using tolytriazole. I mean, it's it's just a closed loop hot water research boiler. No, I'm pouring that in. He points at it. Trace, you'll love this. He was pouring in sodium hypochlorite. And so we, so we, apparently and we, we just learned that that is not, not the best selection too. in a hot loop system. So the end of the conversation was very simple. I looked at it. I said, okay. I never said a word at that point. I said, I think I have everything that I need to know. And I, I left and told the customer, I just wrote up a little letter and said, I wouldn't have chosen that. And I kind of gave the- That's pretty diplomatic. Uh, yeah, I, I would have not chosen that. And I gave him the kind of the, the, the bad parts about doing, you know, why I would not have used that and kept it in there for as long as we did. I think we tested it at 50 ppm of free chlorine. Wow. What was the metallurgy of the boiler? It's copper and um, galvanized. Oops. So- it was a $55,000 mistake. So that was probably the biggest bonehead one I've seen. Wow. Most of the time, you know, you walk in and Trace, you told me this too. It, it, it makes sense. Everybody out there, make sure your drums aren't empty. You know, it's funny. Out of all the things that can happen in a water treatment account, you know, the pail going dry for a day yeah, isn't the worst thing. It's not the worst thing. But, you know, and it's always in the most inopportune moment. It's like your competition walks in and all of a sudden. Oh, but I got to tell you, when your customer finds that there is nothing worse yeah. than they can see. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely a perception issue because it could happen over a couple of hours. And that's, of course, when your customer comes in and it's so easy. Of course, if you have a malfunction that yeah. may happen and, and, and you can't be held responsible for that, if you're doing everything right, maybe you could, depending if you aren't, but there are calculations out there. You mm -hmm. can figure out and uh, maybe you a five can. gallon storage isn't enough. Maybe you've got to move up to something bigger. Our operations manager, Larry, is, you know, I call him the guru. I think, you know, I tease him because he has insomnia, but he, he'll call me at five o'clock, five, five thirty, six o'clock in the morning. And he says, hey, what do you think of this calculation for figuring out how much chemical we need? Larry, it's five o'clock or six o'clock in the morning. What are you talking about? Well, you know, I walked into a building last time and I was almost out of chemical and for this biocide. Okay. Did you change it? Yeah. But I think we need to tweak it a little bit more and I need to change my services just to show up one day earlier. Okay, Larry, you can do that. <laughs> so you're right. There are formulas and stuff like that we can use to make sure it's going to happen. We know it, but you just don't want it to happen every single time. Right. And you mentioned Larry, great guy. Yes. And I have received the same phone calls. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Trace. No, Larry's phenomenal. He really is. He's, he's been a huge integral part, uh, like Chris is to your team. Absolutely. You know, he's phenomenal. And I could not do this without him. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions that people ask me and get your perspective on. So you and I met each other because we did enter in that consultative relationship. There are a lot of people out there that may think they need a consultant, may think they never need a consultant. Why, would, why did you hire a consultant? Um, 
first of all, it was Rye, my business partner at the time. And, and it was his idea because he went to your training. And like I said, you don't know what you don't know. But there's all kinds of issues. Uh, you could have, you know, uh, for instance, a biological growth and heat exchanger that you don't understand. Okay, I've tried everything. You know, I've acidized it. We've cleaned, we've torn it apart. We've cleaned it. Why is it still plugging up? You know, there's not, we don't have high copper levels. We don't have high iron levels. You know, we, our dissolved solids are low. We're not getting, you know, the scaling potential is not there. What is going on in this heat exchanger? That's when you would call in a consultant because, you know, it could be a huge client. It could be a thousand ton chiller that you're dealing with or a thousand ton, you know, heat pump system in a building with a flat plate that just is, for some reason, is not staying efficient. So that's a great time. We called you in because we were having massive issues with, I'm going to call it Georgia clay. Okay. But it was in a, it was in a different state. We called you and said, Hey, Trace, what do you think? And we're also having corrosion issues, but it seemed, they seem to be interlinked, I think is what we finally came down to. That's a reason. If you really are having trouble with something, it's really worth it because, you know, that says something to your client also. It's going to cost you money, but sometimes a little bit of money is, is worth keeping that client. And it also goes a really long way. And Trace does a really good job. Um, Trace does. I'm sure all consultants do. We use a few consultants that they write up what they've done, you know. And it really says something to you as a company. It says, hey, I'm willing to go out and figure out what the problem was. And I learned this from my flight instruction days. And Trace, you always know this. And this is something that you learn when you teach is if you don't know the answer, don't make it up. Oh, that's huge. Uh, I've, always, I've always looked at my clients and said, I don't know the answer to that, but give me 24 hours and I'll find an answer for that. You know, it's funny you bring that up. I was speaking with a younger water treater just this week, and that's his big fear is that he's going to walk in someplace and not know the answer. I'm like, dude, it's you okay. need to get over that yeah. because that's going to happen. Yeah. And that happens to me every day, mm -hmm. but that's how you learn. That is how you learn. And you've I've learned a ton in my life by asking a question or, or a client asking me a question. And it's in the flying world or it's in the water treatment world, it's in the Legionella world. I mean, we, ha we have a really awesome consultant on our team that basically wrote the book on ASHRAE. I call him all the time. And yeah, he charges me. But guess what? I don't want to look, go to my client and tell him something that's not right. I would rather say, I don't know, but I'll get you an answer. That goes a lot farther than if you tell them something wrong and then they go ahead and call my consultant, he tells them something different. That's, yeah, then exactly. you look really worse. You look a lot worse. And I really feel that if, uh, say, you were to ask me a question and I were able to rattle off an answer, all right, big deal. But if you ask me a question, I say, well, Brian, that's a, that's a really good question. I need to find out for right. you, but and you I'm have. going to commit mm -hmm. that I will find this out and I'll let you know by tomorrow at three o'clock. Perfect. And Keep the deadline. That's right. And you I'm going to call you deadline. back tomorrow at 2 o'clock unless exactly. we had a set appointment. Yeah. And I'm going to let you know what I found out. You're going to remember that more, and mm. that's going to build that relationship more, and that's going to make you trust me. It's going to make me seem more trustworthy than if I just said, yeah, here's the answer. Another thing for everybody out there, follow through. You know, if you say you're going to have a quote by them next Monday, have that quote. If you say you're going to have, if you say you can get the Legionella test in 14 days, you know, by the culture, make sure you're reaching out to them at day 12 and have those, but it's probably already there. Okay. But if it's not, make sure at day 14, they're there. Do what you say you're going to do. Yeah. And I'll also add, be careful what you promise when things are out of your control. That's true. Yep. I would agree with that too. And that's, I think that's back to that whole expectations thing that we talked about earlier. I have a really awesome um, consultant that we use. She's from New Jersey, phenomenally smart woman. And she does helps us with a lot of, you know, operations side of the business because we're growing so fast. I needed to have someone who is awesome in the operations side and also in the marketing side. She's been helping our team with a bunch of different stuff, but she's big into workflows. And I remember I come from the flying world and that standard operating procedures. If you have a, if you have a sales thing, say, hey, we have this lead. We sent the quote out. You know, we closed that deal. Have something in steps one through 10. Did you do all these things with checklists on the side of them? It's really simple. If you do that, you're not going to miss a lot of stuff. Well, I got to tell you, you've touched on checklist, and that is something <laughs> that I am really working on. I'm going to do a presentation for AWT this year. Actually, I, I don't know if I'm going to do it or not, but I'm submitting it. Hopefully, they'll pick it up 
on checklists mm -hmm. because we've got awesome SOPs here, yes. but they're long. And because they're long, people don't use them the way they should, but when there's a checklist, they get used. So I've read numerous books on checklists. A lot of them deal with the flying industry. So I'm curious, since you've used checklists so many times, what is the making of a good checklist? Ease of use is probably the simplest thing. In my world, in one of my worlds, I'll put it that way, uh, checklists, we live and die by them. We literally do. And it's in one thing about checklists that you you might think is a little bit different is in our world, we have what's called a do and verify checklist. Okay. And I think this is something that's good for our teams as they build up to this. For instance, say you're going to make a checklist or standard operating procedure for when you walk into a building. You know, the first thing you're going to do is survey the, the condition of the pumps and survey is the conductivity. Is there any alarms or any of that stuff? Okay. What we call is called do and verify. If you've done it a thousand times, do it and then pull out that checklist to make sure you actually did everything. That makes it very simple. And then it's, it becomes rote memory, but then you, it, all of us forget something at some time. Okay. It's rote memory. But then if you pull that checklist out, yeah, I did it. I did. I did it. You can go down through it real quick. A checklist was designed that you do something, then you verify it. That's probably the best way. Now, you know, even doctors, anesthesiologists are doing that. It's phenomenal what, the, what checklists are doing. And they took it from our industry, from the aviation industry. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the doctor's name. He wrote Checklist Manifesto. Mm -hmm. And uh, I cannot remember his name, but he said there were two types of checklists. There was the do confirm yep. that you just mentioned, mm -hmm. and then the read yep. do. Yeah. And if I remember the the two, how he described the two was if you do something all the time, then that's where you have the do Fair. confirm. Yeah. And the point with that was you don't forget the stupid stuff. Yes, exactly. And it's the stupid stuff that always gets you into trouble. For instance, another thing, you know, um, service reports. You know, you can integrate that into a service report. I mean, it's, you walk in and everybody knows what they're supposed to do. And the service, service report goes along with it, kind of as a checklist as you go down. Yeah, I'm doing this, 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 and this. It saves time, saves money. You can get into that building quicker. Now, let me think how the Scaling Up Nation is receiving all of okay. this. And I'm sure there's somebody out there that's saying, if I'm using a checklist, that means someone thinks I'm stupid or it's turning my brain off. And as a trained pilot, how do you feel about that? Oh, no. Uh, you know, I have 15,000 hours of flight time, okay? Like I said, we live and die by checklists. I have them memorized, but we still do them because there is every day. There's never the perfect flight. Let's put it that way. So is there ever the perfect water treatment day? No, we all know that. There's never a perfect water treatment day. So if there's never the perfect flight and I have all those checklists memorized and I still forget stuff, just because you might be thinking about something else, right. you have a dinner, the kids are sick, something is going on that's going to divert your attention. So yeah, I think checklists is a phenomenal thing to Im implement into our industry. Yeah, I'm remembering the interview with uh, Captain Sullenberger and I don't remember the flight number. And, and in his interview, he wouldn't take any credit because he was following the checklist and everybody did what they were supposed to do yeah. according to that checklist. Yeah. And that's why there were no fatalities on that flight. Yep. We actually did ditching today in my training session. That is so cool. I so, want to talk about that, but okay. I have no idea <laughs> how I would even talk about it. I'm just going to leave that and say, that's so cool. So what else we got, Trace? Well, I want to ask you, what is something a new water treater would just benefit tremendously about? You know, Trace, you've done this, and um, this is how I trained Larry, and I'm a, I'm a visual learner. Mm -hmm. In other words, I can read all the books. That's why I told you reading that um, AWT technical reference manual. It's painful at times. However, taking someone out and actually showing them, same thing with flying. Taking someone out and actually showing, hey, this is what a controller is. This is what a heat exchanger is. Doing that and understanding your audience, understanding the person, ask them how they learn best. I think that's a really good way to teach someone. And this just comes from my background. But to say, hey, if they don't get it the first time, did I fail? Maybe not. Maybe I didn't fail. Maybe I just didn't get to their language. I think that's a good thing for a new water treater is if you don't understand something, don't pretend you do. Keep asking the questions until you get the answer or you understand it. All right. Great advice. Now, what if 
it's not the the water treater nobody's coming to them asking how they learn best and now they're not getting what they need how do they approach their boss or their trainer with that yeah personalities are kind of always fun with that one you know i'm a very non-conflict person i don't know about you trace i don't like conflict i avoided it pretty much at all costs but i will say this if you're just truthful with people, like you and I are pretty easy approachable. I think we're easy approachable people, but some people aren't. And it's not that it's just, they just give off a vibe. And if it's your boss, um, I would really honestly appeal to them and say, Hey, I, I need some help. I, I really want to be successful. And I would always say, I, I always never be combative, you know? And then if you're going to go to an, a meeting like that and you need some help, have your, have a point, you know, if you kind of call a meeting, make sure you have a little bit of agenda. And send it to them and say, I really would like to talk about these things. Because one, it doesn't waste anybody's time. You keep on task and then you move through the problem. I think that's a really good way. Yeah. And the other thing that does is it sets expectations. Awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when you know not only what the other person's expectations are, Mm -hmm. but when they know what yours are, you can actually see if they're going to meet or not. Right. And if they're not, sometimes it's not the right fit. It's just, that's how life works. But you know, more often than not, people don't have that conversation. Right. And that's where almost every problem can get traced back to. Yep. And it's back to that conflict thing. I don't think it's necessarily conflict. It's just how do we communicate with each other? Yeah, that's a great point. And it's a tough, it's tough. And I'm thinking about new business and I'm thinking about uh, issues where I've worked with either other water treatment companies, owners, and their clients are directly with clients. And it's always been that expectations issue where people are so excited when they get that business, they don't think about all the things that could create an issue like we talked about before. But if we talk about that right then when the sale is made, and now we can use the client and their information to help us understand what we don't know, they can help us solve those issues. And we never have those issues. Or, you know, let's say we do have those issues, but they're expected. And now that issue comes up and they actually give that a plus in our column because we anticipated that or they anticipated that and we knew how to deal with it. So I guess my whole point of that is is, yay, you got the sale, but make sure you don't lose the sale in spite of yourself being so excited. Visualize doing everything through there and set those expectations. Yeah, and and it's like I said, Trace, I've been successful, one, by the follow-through, and I'm going to keep repeating myself, do what you say you're going to do. Why is that groundbreaking? (sighs) I don't know, because I've, it, it really, honestly, I wish it wasn't, but it is. It's just, you know, someone says they're going to fix something. Someone's going to say they're going to do something. It just never gets done. And it's real simple to irritate someone or to lose your client will lose confidence in you if it just doesn't get done. And I'm going to tell you this. I'm, I, I've done it before and I've lost a client and I, yeah, it was my fault. And I walked into his office and I said, you're right. I wish you best of luck. I'm sorry I let you down. Shook his hand and said, call me back if you ever need anything. I got called back. I did because he actually appreciated that. It was a year later, but I still got called back. And admit when you're wrong. That goes a long way. Admit when you're wrong and don't lie to him. So we're going to get into some lightning round questions. Uh But before we do, so somebody's either just tuning in or they're just waiting for that huge nugget of advice. So if, if there was just one thing that you want the Scaling Up Nation to get from this interview, what is it? There's a lot of opportunity out there. I think someone told me one time that 90% of all water treatment is done by regional and local companies out there. There's the two big ones I think we all know, maybe three big ones. And I think they might have 10 to 15% of market share, okay? If we all do our jobs really well, we can all make a tremendous amount of money. But I also wanna say this, look for opportunities because there are other opportunities in water treatment. Think outside the box. See what you can do better than someone else. And as we talked about at the very beginning, fill that need. Find the problem, fill the need. Find the problem, fill the need. And if you can figure out a way to do it better than everybody else, do it. And it might cost you money, okay? But there's, there's always risk versus reward. 
Oh, excellent. All right, so let's go ahead for the first lightning round question. So uh, you see the DeLorean back there on my shelf there. It's not a real DeLorean, but that's the only DeLorean that I have right now. So we are going to get into, we're going to shrink ourselves down to get into that model. Okay. We're then going to set the time circuits back to your very first day as a water treatment oh, professional. Wow. You know everything that you know now, and we're going to share that information on your very first day. What's the first piece of advice you give yourself? We all have our days. And I remember my first day as a water treater. I was with my boss. Remember I told you, great guy. Very, very intelligent. Um, I didn't ask enough questions, and we did eight buildings that day. I wish I would have said to him, can we stop at least at one and spend three, four hours just going over it all. Because you got, everybody knows water treatment is not just treating the water. Right. You have to understand the mechanicals. You have to understand, you know, where's the water going? What's it doing? If you understand that, and what Trace, what'd you call it? Heat efficiency engineers. Uh, my fa I've heard Heat that. transfer efficiency, efficiency manager. Yeah, that's managers, a, yeah, that's yeah. right. And I agree with you 100%. I think first day of a water treater is just to slow down. And as you get better, you will get quicker. But you need to understand, I, I call it the heart and soul, the operating of the building. Once you get that, the water treatment makes sense. Awesome. I love it. What's the last book you've read? <laughs> I'm kind of an egghead or not an egghead. I like, um, I call it mind candy. All right. Um, I love the Mitch Rapp novels, Vince Flynn. You ever heard of them? I haven't. Now, I wish I could say it was something cerebral like, you know, I'm reading, you know, Einstein's biography or something like that. But I, I read so much stuff. Sometimes I just like to sit in my chair and read Mind Candy is what I call it. A good novel. And it's a CIA novel. Any, anything with Mitch Rapp by Vince Flynn, unfortunately, he passed away. Um, there's another, another couple books called the um, Scott Harvath novels that are still, I like you know, as my wife calls them, shoot 'em ups. There you I'm go. sorry. I wish I was more cerebral on that one, but it's just great books, but they're mind candy, and it's lets you turn your mind off every once in a while because I think we all need it. Well, I got to tell you, um, I don't read them anymore, but I read all of them, uh, Tom Clancy's yes. books. So, but I digress. We're asking okay. you the questions here. So eventually, Hollywood's going to find out about your life. They're going to write a script. <laughs> they're going to make a movie. Who plays Brian? Oh man, who plays me? They have to be as good looking as me? Well, I don't think that's possible. Oh, okay. Let me see here. Um, you know who I really like is Christoph Waltz. I don't know if I know who that is. You ever seen Inglorious Bastards? I don't think I have, but... He won an Oscar for it. Okay. Everybody else besides you will know, Craig. Okay, know, fair enough. Know. Yeah, okay. yeah, I, I have no doubt I just doubt think he's that. a phenomenal actor. All right. And he speaks like four or five different languages. It's, okay. He's just really awesome. Well, there you go. You've heard it here, Django folks. Unchained, Quentin Tarantino. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, he, he plays the bounty hunter. I know who you're talking about yeah. now. Took a while, but yeah. I got it. All right, last question. So uh, you now have the ability to talk to anybody throughout history. Who would it be with and why? I would like to actually sit down with my grandfather again. He was a two-star general. He started our family company and grew it into a massive conglomerate that built spectator seating companies all over the world. I would like to sit down with him. He passed away when I was 11. I'd like to sit down with that man again. It's a great answer. So I, I wish I could say it was someone really historical, but him. He was kind of the founder, the, the driving force behind a lot of our family's entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. I'd like to pick his brain again, just for an hour. There you go. You know, and, and I didn't notice here, but there is one more question. It's in small print here. Now, now uh, who's the best consultant you've ever worked with? <laughs> well, you know, I know one other consultant that we do a lot of business with that's going to be listening to Scaling Up H2O. So, but you know, I think today I'm going to say Trace Blackmore. How's that? Well, buddy, thanks so much no for problem. coming on the show. Thanks for sharing so much with the Scaling Up Nation. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Trace. Appreciate it. Well, Nation, I hope you can tell that Brian and I are now good friends. And we joke about that first experience that when we met each other at the Cracker Barrel where he almost killed his plate with his fork and that poor egg in between the fork and the plate. Anyway, we went from that to really good friends. And I got to tell you, I really respect Brian as a water treater. I 
and just amazed at all the things that he is doing with his company and he's making sure that he is not standing still. I think that is the biggest issue that all of us water treaters have is that we get to a point in our careers and our accounts where we're comfortable and we just decide to stand still. Well, folks, I'm sure you've heard the phrase and I can't remember exactly how it goes, but if you're standing still, you're technically moving backwards because someone is always learning more and doing more. And of course, if we're standing still in our accounts, entropy, of course, is happening. And if we are standing still in our accounts, the chaos of the universe is going on. So our accounts are getting worse if we are simply just maintaining the status quo. Of course, our customer is putting more load on the system. They're adding more machines. The makeup water quality is changing. And the things that we installed 10 years ago, well, folks, they're not as good as the things that we could install today. So whatever it is, if we're not striving to make ourselves better, to make our accounts better, to make our customers understand what it is that we do better. I promise you, you are slipping backwards and eventually you're probably not going to have that account. And moreover, I promise you do not like your job. If you are just staying at the bare minimum, you're the status quo, you're not getting excited when you go to work in the morning because you're not learning new things. Folks, my dad told me that water treatment was an opportunity each and every day to learn something new. And the day that I thought I knew everything was the day I needed to say that I lost respect for this industry and I perhaps needed to find a job in something like retail. I can't, he would always give a different example for where I needed to find another job. So I don't know where retail came from, but I'm sure he said that at one point or another. So make sure you're continuously getting better. And as you heard, Brian and his company are definitely doing that. And I know for a fact, Brian's having more fun now because he is doing that. By the way, it was Brian's birthday when he was in the Scaling Up Studios. So Brian, happy birthday from the Scaling Up Nation. So, and of course, as being a guest on the show and for your birthday, you got that awesome Scaling Up t-shirt that everybody out there in the Scaling Up Nation wants. Several of you have received those and you've sent me some pictures of you wearing your Scaling Up t-shirt. Many of you are saying, hey, I want that t-shirt. How do I get one? Well, it's really simple. Go to scalinguph2o.com and you will see on the right-hand side of the page, there will be a floating button that will say voicemail. You click on that, you leave me a voicemail of your question. You can leave your name. You don't have to leave your name, but you have to leave me a question. And if I air that, you will get a t-shirt. Now, keep in mind, I'm going to have to email you, get your address, all that sort of stuff. So just expect that from me. But that's just my little way of thanking you for giving me some more items to put on the Scaling Up H2O podcast. Well, folks, I hope that in the very least, you are thinking, how do I make myself better? And here's something that I want to leave you with because it's so easy for us to become an island in water treatment because we work so autonomously. We're out there, we're driving around in our cars, we're going to see a customer, then we leave that customer and we go, we drive some more and we wash, rinse, repeat. It's so easy for us to become an island where we are not associating ourselves with other people that can make us better. I'm hoping that this podcast is helping inspire you to do that. It's giving you some things to talk to in between accounts to make you better. But imagine if you were talking to a real person outside of listening to this podcast, how you can hold each other accountable. Of course, I'm talking about having a mentor. You all know out there in the nation that I owe a lot to the people that decided to invest in me as a water treater, and I'm now a better water treater because they did invest that time. So if you do not have a mentor, I want you to put that on your to-do list and find somebody that will help make you better. Find somebody who you can ask questions to. 
Find somebody who's going to hold your feet to the fire for you to get certified in the particular industry that you are in when it comes to water treatment. So what's the difference between a mentor and a consultant? A lot of people get those confused. Well, a mentor is somebody that is doing that just to make the industry better, just to make you better, to maybe give back to the industry that has given them so much. So it's an accountability partner. It's a friend. It's somebody who you can work with to make the water treatment industry better. So that's kind of my loose definition of a mentor where a consultant normally has some sort of financial component to it. It normally has some sort of legal component to that. But this is somebody that you might engage to take a really deep look at your business and what part of your business may you use that in. Well, maybe it's an example like where Brian shared, where we were looking at specific accounts and figuring out what we can do that wasn't currently being done, or we could tweak just a little bit and make something faster, easier, cheaper, better, and whatever adjective that you wanna add there. Another thing that somebody might come in to do is they might come in and they might look at your books. So maybe this is a business owner and you know that you've got money in your checking account, but besides that, you really don't know what your financial data is telling you about. Now, folks, if you don't own a company and you don't know what your personal finances look like, you are in the same boat. And you don't need to hire somebody like me to help you with that, but I would advise you to go to a financial advisor and somebody that you can trust. Maybe you interview a couple of them and make sure you know what your personal finances are saying about you, your retirement, your spending habits, about everything that you are working towards. Now, for those business owners out there, if you cannot take metrics out of how you're keeping score with your bookkeeping, you are missing a tremendous opportunity to tell you where your company is going. And when you make slight adjustments, these metrics will now tell you if something is working or not. So I tell you, there is a wealth of information in numbers. You just have to know where to look. And one of my favorite books is The E-Myth. And The E-Myth talks about how people that are really good technicians, i.e. water treaters, he doesn't mention water treaters, by the way, but I am, they're very good at treating water, but they're not good. They've never been taught on how to run a business. So that's nothing to be ashamed of. I've worked with many coaches. I've taken many classes. I've read many books because I was never taught what to do with our numbers. I was never taught on how to forecast based on our numbers. I was never taught on how to pull different numbers out of our numbers. So I had to seek that. So don't feel bad about that. And when I work with people, a lot of times they kind of feel like they failed because they didn't see this or they didn't see that. Well, folks, you didn't fail because you're seeing it now and you've taken that step to make yourself, to make your company better. So I really hope that you're thinking outside of the box now when it stays to being the status quo and you're thinking, how can I personally make myself better? How can I make the customer's account better? How can I make the industry better? How can I make my company better? Folks, thanks so much for listening this week. And I will talk to you next week on Scaling Up H2O.